Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Book of Judges, chapter number 18. Judges chapter 18, amen, appreciative of those who have returned from this morning's service to tonight's service, we're appreciative of you, amen, glad to have our good friends, the Worth family with us tonight, always glad to see them, also the Lord with us and uh, worshiping with us, Uh, as I oftentimes say, Brother, Brother Brad Worth, we have been friends for many, many years, and uh, Whenever I still lived at home and he was moved out of his home, they live, he lived across the street from me. And then there was a time after my wife and I got married, we lived across the street from he and his wife. And uh, we've gotten, we've made trips together to Tennessee and uh, we've done other stuff together. I was telling my daughter, Brother Brad, that... Uh, here she's on the verge you know of getting licensed and so i've been riding with her as she's been driving and so i've told her some of the stories of back in the day of how we would come to church sometimes from princeton area and bad brad was in his that red vehicle what was that was it a transam what did you have the lights flipped up i don't remember yeah firebird running you had that jeremy had something some black vehicle jeremy always had a black vehicle black truck black car something and uh i i probably had my osmobile cutlass supreme i can't get away from my first vehicle it seems like i and uh we would set off for church and it was like the indy 500 and mom and dad don't need to know this but it was like the indy 500 and we would pass each other all the way to 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 kingsburg to church and and so on and so forth so i was telling mariah about that and we were on a gravel road and i was telling her about driving jeremy's monte carlo and he was allowing me to drive and spinning that thing in the 360 and said so you got to be careful on gravel see i was trying it was a teachable moment and such a lot a lot of good years amen together and so appreciate him and their family judges chapter number 18 perhaps that gave you time to get there I'm going to read from the King James. Now, that was not a license for anybody that's in this youth group that's going to grow up. Whenever later, and they sit down with their mom and dad, say, well, pastor said he did. <clears throat> covered, covered, covered by the blood. Judges 18, verse 7. The Bible says, and we're jumping right here in the middle of a story. Then the five men departed and came to Laish saw the people that were therein how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians quiet and secure and there was no magistrate in the land that might be that might put them to shame in anything and they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man and they came unto their brethren to Zorah and Eshtaol Their brethren said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them, for we have seen the land. Behold, it is very good, and are yet still. Are ye still? Be not slothful to go and to enter to possess the land. When ye go, ye shall come unto a people secure, into a large land, for God hath given it into your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. I want to read the same passage, if you'll allow me, from the New International Version. The only reason why I do this is because this sermon was birthed from a note I made from in the margin of my New International Version Bible when I read this. So just so you can see where my mind was, what my eyes saw when this came to me. Verse 7 of the New International, it says, So the five men left and came to Laish, and there they saw that the people were living in safety, like the Sidonians, at peace and secure. And since their land lacked nothing, they were prosperous. Also, they lived a long way from the Sidonians and had no relationship with anyone else. 
When they returned to Zorah and Eshtaol, their fellow Danites asked them, how did you find things? How did you find things? They answered, come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land. It is very good. Aren't you going to do something? Don't hesitate to go there and take it over. When you get there, you will find an unsuspecting people in the spacious land that God has put into your hands. A land that lacks nothing whatever. It's a land that lacks nothing. It's a prosperous land, therefore a prosperous people. They lived a long way from anybody else. They had no relationship or business with anybody. Amen. For a little while tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, and I don't really, I know what the big idea of this sermon is, but for whomever it is for here or even beyond these walls, I do not know. But I'm going to minister this tonight. The dangers of living isolated lives. The dangers of living isolated lives. Hallelujah. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, I come to you today. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for every song. But more so than the song, the anointing, Lord, the singers and the musicians. I pray, oh God, for if all they came with was talent, God, this would be very empty. But God, to come with the anointing, Lord, is a whole different story. I pray, oh God, that you would touch each and every ear, each and every mind, each and every heart. God, within this building, beyond this building, those that will hear this on podcasts and days to come. I pray, oh Lord, your purposes, oh Lord Jesus, are greater than mine. Your ways higher than my ways. Your thoughts higher than my thoughts. God, I present myself, Lord, as your servant tonight. I surrender, Lord, the faculties of the members of this body, Lord, unto you for your use, for your purpose, for your glory. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen of the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I will say tonight that we have read from Judges, a story of Judges, and this is probably not a story that you heard in Sunday school growing up. Okay, and so with that said, anytime that takes place that we use a story that people are less than familiar with, that requires a lot of work on this side. All right? And so allow me to get into the field and work just a little bit, okay? Amen. We are diving right in the middle of a story here, and it's not just any story, but again, it's probably a lesser-known story uh, in the Scripture, particularly in the book of Judges. This story is one of many unique stories that's found in the book of Judges. This story is placed in our Bibles. Its placement is toward the end of this book of Judges. It's one of the final stories that is told in the book of Judges. But in reality, chronologically, this story falls and takes place just a few decades after Joshua has died. He's led the children of Israel into the land of promise. He's taken in his last breath and he died in just a few decades past that this story chronologically should be placed as a matter of fact this story should be placed before or in a line with the first judge that came to ever deliver Israel in the book of judges so though it comes at the end of the book its placement chronologically should really be toward the beginning of the book Israel has passed over the Jordan River into the land of promise. And prior to doing so, Joshua had informed the tribes of their varying allotments of land, each of them having a portion, an allotment, a boundary space, if you will, of land that was in 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 Canaan, in the promised land. All that Joshua did was as prescribed to his predecessor Moses that came before him. However, for Dan, the tribe of Dan, there was a great gap because the thing was this, they were all given portions of land, but then they were responsible for taking the land that was prescribed unto them. And so the tribe of Dan, there was a gap in being told that such and such land belongs to you, Dan, the gap was between that and Dan fighting for the land that belonged to him. It's one thing to be told that that's yours. It's another thing to fight for what is yours. And so there was a gap in Dan. He was assigned a territory like all the other tribes of Israel, but he had to wrest it out of the hands of the Canaanites. He had to wrestle it out of the hands of those who dwelt there and lived there. These assignments of the land of promise were really twofold. The reason, no doubt, that God told Moses to divvy it up before they ever entered 
entered there and for Joshua to tell them what was theirs before they ever entered into the land. Number one, perhaps to make the tribes a little less arguable over what was theirs and what was not theirs. You could imagine just saying all of this land belongs to all 12 of you. What type of battle could have arose among the tribes as they said, well, I want this one by the water or this one's got trees. And so it's already decided. Nobody has to quabble. Nobody has to argue over what parts was theirs they knew going into it. But also, this was done no doubt before they entered the land because they would know that they were responsible for the Canaanite opposition that resided in their portion of the land. In other words, it wasn't anybody else's responsibility to conquer the enemy, the adversary, the oppressor that was in their land than themselves. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were going to sit along the sidelines and in the bleachers and watch somebody else come and do the work for them. However, other tribes could fight with you. They could fight alongside you. They could not fight in your stead, but they could help you in your battle. They could help you in your warfare. You had a common foe, really, the Canaanites all throughout the land, but you could invite your brethren into your allotment of land to help fight alongside you against the common foe. The Bible says in Judges chapter number one and verse three, and Judah, speaking of the tribe, and Judah said unto Simeon his brother, come up with me into my lot that we might fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee and to thy lot. And so Simeon went with him. And so this is a very good illustration, an example that Judah had a portion of land, but he did not want to fight against the foe in the portion of his land by himself. He didn't ask Simeon, go fight for me. He said, come fight alongside me. And so he said, if you'll do that for me whenever it's time for you to fight against the foe in your land, I will accompany you as well. And we will fight together against this foe. So Judah is responsible for the adversary in its land. The tribe of Dan is responsible for the opposition in his land. For that amount, every tribe is accountable for the resistance that's in their own land. Amen. And the Bible tells us, I'm trying to get us up to speed because this is not your regular Bible story. Amen. If you didn't deal with the challengers of your land, here's the fact of the matter. You may lose part, if not at times all, of the territory that had been given to you. If you're not willing to fight, if you're not willing to go to battle, amen, you might lose some, if not all, of what God said was yours. And so because of this unwillingness to deal with the opponent, with the oppression, that was in the land, in the allotment of land that was given and prescribed to the tribe of Dan, some and others never gained their territory because they were never willing to fight. Dan had a formidable foe within his land. The Bible tells us and teaches us that it was the Philistines that were throughout the allotment of land of the people of Dan. The Philistines had proved to be one of the toughest enemies toward the children of Israel that Israel would face over and over again in their long haul of being a nation. And the Dan tribe was a little smaller than perhaps some of the others. And so their refusal to fight meant they never truly gained all that God said was theirs we're not done yet you know David and Goliath and Jonah and the well but you're not familiar with this story Amen. The Bible says, speaking of this, about 50 years after Joshua led them into Canaan, he divvied up the land, of course, and about 50 years later, we see now in our scripture that the tribe of Dan is migrating from their officially allotted territory of land to a land that they wanted to choose on their own. In other words, rather than fighting for what God had given them, they wanted to go stake their claim somewhere else of their own choosing, of their own design. And the Bible says that they sent spies into that particular area that they wanted to choose of their own design. They were, they were real similar, if you will, to the children of Israel that sent spies into the land of Canaan, amen, before they ever went to fight their first battle. Amen, Dan ascended 
sending his own spies into this land that he wants that's not a part of the heritage that God had given them. And whenever they go into the land, they enter into the Bible says the place called Laish. They enter into there. Five Danites go into that land to spy it out, check it out, going to bring back a report. And whenever they come back, they are much like the 10 of the 12 spies that went into the land of Israel. They come back with a good report, but unlike those spies of Israel, these five Danites not only come back with a good report, they come back with a determination to take the area of Laish. Amen. We understand that 10 of the spies that entered the promised land, they were like, it's good, but we can't do it. But the Danites, these five that are seeking out this land, for the Danites are saying, it's a good land, and I believe we can take the land as well. And they thought that they had the favor of God. You'll notice that the scripture says that the Lord told them that they could have this land, but the, the, the fly in the ointment there is this. They thought they had the favor of God based upon a positive word from a backslidden priest. they thought the priest said go and do everything that's in your heart it's going to be prosperous it's going to be good for you but they were receiving that positive word from the lips of a backslidden priest and so whenever we, everybody doing alright and so whenever we look at Laish it laid about 29 miles north of the Sea of Galilee it was just outside of Israelite territory it was about 30 miles to the northwest of Zidon amen where the Bible says it was far from Zidon it was a mound of land that was about a half a mile in diameter according to its location. Historians say, thank you, Addison. Historians say that he was cut off, the land was cut off from Aram by the immensity and the bulk of Mount Hermon. As its position was, it was cut off from the Phoenicians because of the Lebanon mountain range as well. Where it was positioned, it had all of the water supply, amen, all of the tributaries all of the springs, all of the streams that supplied water to the great forceful Jordan River. So it was positioned good. And so years ago, prior to this time, it had even been a very important commercial city at one time. It had ramparts and it had fortifications all around it. Amen. But the people of Laish were Canaanite residents. Their culture and their custom was like that of the Zidonians. They were a seafaring people known for their commerce rather than their military activity. The spies, the five Dandites that came back had this report. They said, let us tell you about the land. It's a very good land. It's a land that lacks nothing. It's a spacious land. Amen. And since, guys, since the land lacks nothing, you can rest assured that the people, they lack nothing. They are prospering on the right hand and on the left hand. They have waters, amen, to irrigate their crops. They are an unsuspecting people, though. The Bible describes that they were a people that were at peace. They were a people that were secure. If you will, they were a people that were carefree. They believed they had everything they ever needed. They believe they had everything they ever wanted. This is a prosperous land, a good land. They're far away enough from Zidonian that they didn't have to worry about them imposing themselves upon the people of Laish. They were not under the thumb of any magistrate. The Bible says they had no magistrate. They had no authoritative power that was going to tell them what to do, when to do, or how to do. And the Bible says they had no business, they had no dealings, and they had no relationship with any other man. All is well. They had no authority in their lives. They had no friends per se in their lives. And since they were Canaanites, they didn't have anything truly divine in their lives. They were completely isolated geographically and they were isolated relationally. Yet ironically, Dan, as he looked at the land of Laish and his tribe, was choosing to become as isolated as what he was looking at. He was willing to become as isolated as the land of Laish. And he considered that land to be easy prey, but he was willing to become as they were. Someone say amen. I got a point tonight. The only authority the tribe of Dan had in their life 
was a backslid priest. The Bible says a backslid priest by the name of Micah. He was employed. He was or, or, or a backslid priest for Micah. He was employed by this man. But as the Danites came through, they kind of garnered his attention. And they employed the him for their tribe. And so they had a backslid priest he, who would say whatever they wanted him to say for the right price. If you give me enough money, if you give me enough goods, if you give me enough resources, I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll scratch your itch. I'll speak the right words that you once said. And so here they are. The only authority they had was a lion authority. The only authority they had was a priest that was backslid. And the Bible says also concerning Dan, now they are migrating from what God had for them to something they choose on their own. And so they're separating themselves from every other tribe of Israel. They're separating themselves from every other the tribe that they had been joined to during their wilderness journeys. They have isolated themselves likewise from the divine, from God in their lives. Amen. Someone say amen. For that matter, the Bible teaches us that Laish, which will be destroyed, is going to be rebuilt, and Dan's going to call the place, instead of Laish, they're going to call it Dan. That very soon is going to take place, and not many years after that, they're going to have a golden calf sitting on this spot and in this land. Why? Because they don't have no divine allegiance. They don't. They've separated themselves from all the tribes of Israel. They don't have any friends, and they will have separated themselves from a majesty or a priest they'll have no priest telling them the truth in other words they'll become exactly what they're going to fight they're going to become exactly like the people and so we begin to ask ourselves the question what is it about this isolation what is it about making themselves so far from anybody else far from God far from friends far from anybody why are they isolating we read in scripture I might preach for the last 10 minutes we read in scripture that some isolate for different reasons we read in the Old Testament that it was people that were lepers that isolated themselves because they were unclean and they didn't want to give what they had to anybody else in the New Testament. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 years kept herself for the most part isolated because she didn't want to transfer her uncleanness. We read of Jesus that he isolated himself all times into a mountain. The Bible describes that he would depart and he would pray to get alone, amen, to have communion. There were others that would though just isolate to rest as anybody done that or isolate to recharge but some isolate because they are self-sufficient. Some isolate because they self-isolate. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse 1, a man, and this is the New King James Version, but a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Someone all right? Laish was so separated from the other cities that she didn't have to worry about a military power, it would seem, coming. She didn't have to worry about losing her independence. Because no one was going to speak into her life. No one was going to tell her what to do. The Bible says in verse 7 plainly, she had no magistrate, which means she had no heir of restraint. A magistrate was one who had the authority to suppress everything that was vicious or evil. She didn't have that type of voice in her city. She didn't have that type of voice in her life. Can someone say amen? But I'm telling you tonight, I want the voice of a magistrate in my life. I need a Moses like a deliverer in the Old Testament that whenever God says they went too far, they've done too much, I'm going to wash my hands of them and I'm going to make a nation out of you, Moses, and we'll start all over again with you. I want a magistrate that stands up and says, God, you'll have to blot me out of your book first before that happens. I want somebody that has a say-so in my life. I need a David that's willing to wrestle a lion, that's willing to wrestle a bear in order to keep one of his sheep safe. I need a shepherd, like Amos said, that will go and retrieve a couple of legs or a piece of an ear just for the sake, if necessary, of sparing the foe. I need an authority that's going to suppress the vicious and the evil in the life of the sheep. Someone say amen. Amen. 
They had no magistrate. That's what they wanted. They didn't want that type of voice in their life. I'll tell you tonight that sometimes preaching truth, amen, around here might seem somewhat dangerous and it might seem somewhat intrusive to you, amen, more so than you isolating yourself and seeking your own desires. But I'll tell you this, that the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end the end thereof is the ways of death and destruction. Preaching truth is less dangerous to you than you isolating. Preaching truth to you is less intrusive to you than you isolating. There is more danger in you isolating yourself from the voice of a man of God, the magistrate of God, than there is to allow it to penetrate you, thrust you through. Is everybody doing all right? There's no feathers going in my hat. I'm just preaching for the pastor here just for a moment. We need a magistrate in our life that can suppress the vicious, that can suppress, if you will, the evil. I tell you tonight this here and online, listen to me well. Beware of the tendency to claim your pastor only when he agrees with your desire. I remember a friend of mine that used to evangelize years ago. He posted on Twister, on Twitter. He said, some people I pastor and some people I just preach to. He says, the people I pastor are the ones that can accept the no from my mouth and the people that I preach to is the ones that hear the no and go on doing what they want to do. What are you saying? You need a magistrate in your life. It's danger to live an isolated life with no magistrate. There's a lot of ice. I'm just preaching as a pastor here for a moment. There's a lot of ice that I've given people over the years that they never follow. advice I've given people they never followed they wanted to know my spill on it I gave them my spill biblically most times my spill they shook their head they left the office and you know what they did exactly the opposite of what I advised although I tried to be biblical they weren't there really to hear what I had to say they were there to hear what I had to say lined up with what they were already thinking you need a magistrate in your life if you isolate yourself from the voice of a pastor or you isolate yourself from the voice of the Lord that he's put in your place it is dangerous it's grounds. Everyone needs a pastor. Proverbs said, he said, those that isolate themselves seek their own desire and they rage against all wise judgment. People that isolate, they rage against wise judgment. Might I even say biblical judgment? Everyone needs a pastor. The Danites need a pastor, but they instead they got themselves a harling. Because a harling you can pay off. A harling has a price. If you meet the price, he'll shut his mouth or he'll change his tune. A harling is like the Danites had. A backslidden priest who they employed. But what they really needed was a pastor. What they really needed was a magistrate. Then it come hell or high water what they thought. They were going to declare truth because it was for their good. Here's the type of man that this backslidden priest was. He left Micah. And the Bible plain, it says it plainly in verse number 19. He left Micah. He was being priest to one person. And this was the sway of the Danites. Wouldn't it be better for you to leave, being priest to one person, and come be priest to all of us? Well, because one man only has so many resources. But many men has a lot. We could be better to you. If you'll just, more people, more benefit. Can I tell you concerning Laish, that land that they are going to, had there been a watchman on the wall, they might have known of an approaching enemy. Had there somebody had a king eye, amen, when you have no one to answer to, neither do you have anyone that is watching for you. It's dangerous living an isolated life. I tell, I tell, is this all right? I tell churches all the time, sometimes it comes that there's an interim of time that people don't have a pastor. And this is what I always say. I say, you need to get one as quickly as you can. Because there's been some that's went two, three, four, six months without a pastor. And you know what happens? Before long, there's no church. Or it's fallen to everything that is against God. Why? Because you need the voice. 
that can suppress the vicious and suppress the evil. Someone say amen. Furthermore, Laish was secure because its citizens believed they had no need of any allies, no strong fortifications. They weren't positionally close to the Zidonians. They had no relationships or business with any other people. They had no allies then to help them in times of trouble. Someone say amen. The Bible says in the New Testament scripture that we may be many members, but we are one body. What are you saying? I'm saying by not isolating myself from you and you not isolating yourself from me, we have the ability of doubling our joys and cutting our sorrows in half. That when I rejoice, you rejoice. And when you weep, I weep. And how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But the danger of isolating ourselves and severing ourselves from the body is that we were not created to exist alone. Listen, there's no there is not on this planet some isolated foot or hand that's eating dinner, amen, working a job and doing it. No, no, no. The body was made to be tempered together. There is no isolation. You cannot make headway in this life unless you're part of a network of a body that flourishes by that design. We need allies. Someone say, I need you. We need allies. We need other people. We need friends. We need somebody at times to supply what we lack pre-adventure in the future. We can supply what they lack. Amen. I need them to be able to remember me. We need more of one another. The Bible says though Laish had no business, no dealings, no relationships with anybody. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What's he telling us? He's telling we need not isolate from each other. So you can't isolate from your priest and you can't isolate from one another because it's dangerous. And the people of Laish were secure and they lacked nothing, the Bible said. And they were in a prosperous land, but in reality, they were a vulnerable people. They remind me in many regards of the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter number three, who said that we are rich, we're increased with goods, we have need of nothing, but they knew not that they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, because you need more than just yourself. Someone amen. Judges 18 verse 27. Look at this now. And they took the things which Micah had made and the priests which he had and came unto Laish. Unto a people, here it is now. The, the spies had come, but they told him about it. Now they're going to the land. Unto a people that were at quiet and secure and they smote them with the edge of the sword and burnt the city with fire. Hold on, stop the tape. Not literally. Wait a minute. The land is very good. It's spacious. It's situated from anyone that might press themselves upon it. The people are carefree. They have no dealings with anybody else. They stay above the fray of having drama from outlying people that's around them. And perhaps the greatest danger of living, listen to me well, isolated lives is found in verse 28. They burned their city. The swords came against them, against these people that isolated themselves. And the Bible says this, and there was no deliverer because it was far from Zidon and they had no business with any man. The NIV says it like this. There was no one to rescue them. They had no deliverer and their fall was inevitable because they separated themselves from their priests. They separated themselves from other people and they separated themselves from God. And the hour that they needed their help, they had no deliverer. Someone say Amen. They would have been pierced through with the sword and they were. And the city did burn with fire and it was. But they can cry for help all day long. But nobody's going to come because they have no relationship. They have no relationship with a magistrate. They have no relationship with any people. 
and they have no relationship with God. The priest they had was purchased. And the Bible says the postscript on their story is there was no deliverer. And Dan's saying, I'm going to overtake them because they isolated themselves. They don't have a priest. They don't have any people. And they don't have a God. But Dan, when you say that you're going to take them and you saw what was in Laish and you saw the weakness of Laish, you should have seen, amen, your own reflection in their lives because you're leaving your people and you're leaving the voice of God in your life and you're leaving the divine land of Israel and you're going to be right where they are someday in need of help, in need of a hand, in need of resource, and there's going to be no deliverer found among you. Someone say amen. amen. They all alone with everybody else in the period of Judges. It's a weird book. Everybody, the Bible says, and this phrase is over and over again in the book of Judges. Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. The Bible says there was no king in Israel. The Bible says in Judges 2.18, and when the Lord raised them up judges or deliverers, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. God in that land, in that position, in that place, tethered with those people, that land would raise up judges, deliverers that would aid them and help them. These judges were nothing but local deliverers who were raised up in a moment of need to bring relief from the oppression that was upon them. There was Ehud and Deborah and Barak and Gideon, these people that you've read about and heard about. There was Samson, all of these judges. But Dan, if you make this choice to leave the people, leave the priest, and leave your God, you're going to be just as easy prey as Laish right now if you are, if you isolate yourself from others because you will not be able to maintain a notable magistrate in your life and because you will have stepped outside of the canopy of the covering of God for your life and you will be without a deliverer. Someone say amen. Yet according to Dan, he says, Laish lacks nothing. But in reality, she lacked a deliverer. No pastor, no friend, no God, no deliverer. And the primary danger of isolated lives is the danger of having no deliverer. I'll do this thing at home, Brother McGee. So many today want to do that. We'll watch it online. We'll watch it on television. Bless God. No, 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 no. You need the people. You need the people. You need the priests. The Bible teaches really on the contrary of this in the book of Psalms. David declares very plainly that God setteth the solitary, those that are alone, he setteth them in families. The Bible stated from the very beginning concerning Adam that all these different animals are coming before him in pairs, male and female, so on and so forth. And the Bible declares from the very beginning that the Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. We need one another. And whenever I have people and I have a priest, and I have God I have a deliverer that's the reason why Micah could proclaim in his verse he said rejoice not against me O my enemy for when I fall I shall arise when I sit in darkness the Lord shall be a light from hell because I didn't isolate me from God I didn't isolate myself from people I didn't isolate myself from the voice of a priest I have help ready on hand I have help at the very mention of his name I'm not in a quantum of no deliverer because I've not isolated myself from the one who can deliver. Someone say amen. David for years, allow me just a little bit more. David for years in the Old Testament scripture was a fugitive from the enemy. All right, which was Saul. He was a fugitive from the enemy. The Bible describes that he really didn't have any permanent dwelling place. 
And yet he continued, although no permanent dwelling place, as a fugitive, he continued to hone his relationship with God. Insomuch that we find the psalmist saying in Psalms over and over again, he says that the Lord is my rock and the Lord is my fortress and the Lord is my deliverer. He continues and says, my God, he's my God, he's my strength, he's my buckler, he's my high tower. He's saying my buckler, he's my shield, he's my high tower. The tower is where all the artillery is. He said, that's my Lord. He's my strength. He's my deliverer. How can you see you got something to fight with? Yes, because I'm not isolated myself from my God. You have something to fight with? Yes. Someone say hallelujah. Now I gotta, he's, not, he's not isolated himself from his God, so he has a deliverer on hand. Now note this. Not only that, as David was being sought after by Saul, which happened to be Jonathan's father, the scripture tells us that David had forged a relationship with Jonathan. Their souls, the Bible says, were knit together. David loved Jonathan as his own soul. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. What are you saying? David didn't isolate himself from friends. They had a kindred spirit. Jonathan then, as a result of it, is constantly running interference for David when his daddy is seeking David's life. He's constantly running near interference. And Jonathan even spoke well of David unto his father on multiple occasions. Jonathan would tell David if his father had any ill intents toward him, always letting him know. And it was Jonathan, mind you, that gave David the final signal when it was wise to leave and become a fugitive for his life. And whenever David boiled it all down, he said this. He said, Jonathan, there is just but a step between me and death. And what he was referring to was the grace that he found in his friend Jonathan, always telling him to watch out, look out for this, go, come here, because he didn't isolate himself from his friend. He had a deliverer. Someone say amen. I'm running. Because I've already sweated once all the way through before I ever got up here. And I'm not talking about this morning either. As a fugitive, David receives word he needs to get out of Dodge from Jonathan, his friend. And he does. And read your Bible that the first place David resorted to, hear me very well, whenever he knew that it was troublesome, he resorted to the house of God. He runs to the house of God. Brother Terry, he didn't have time to pack anything. He didn't have time to make any formal plan on paper that was predetermined. He ran for his life to the house of God. He runs to this city called Nob where there's a sanctuary. Watch me now. But not only a sanctuary, but a priest. A magistrate, if you will, for his life. Sister Sheila, when he arrived there, whoo, where the priest was, two things. David was hungry and David was defenseless. He was hungry and he had no weapons. But when he left that sanctuary, when he left that sanctuary, he had the hallowed bread from the table of shoe bread and he had Goliath's sword that he had placed in the house of God many years earlier. What are you saying? If he had isolated himself from a priest, where would have he run whenever he was a fugitive? Had he isolated himself from a priest and he was hungry and defenseless, where would his weapon came from? Where would his sword? He didn't isolate himself from the priest. He had bread when he needed it. Because he didn't isolate himself from the sanctuary, he had a weapon when he needed it. Since he didn't isolate himself from his friend, he had direction and guidance when he needed it. Since he didn't isolate himself from God, he was that strong tower, that buckler, that strength, that deliverer when he... Yeah. 
when he needed it. David didn't just show up the sanctuary and go get hallowed bread. That, no, 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 no. That passed through the priest. The priest says, I'll get it for you. We'll do this. This is not common. But you have a great need. And your need supersedes the commonality of what's just common practice. And whenever, and whenever David says, well, do you have a sword? He says, I have a sword over here. I got Goliath's sword. You might have heard of it. Yeah, I used that to cut off Goliath's head. He said, there's none like it. Honey, when you, listen, this is what happens. Whenever David killed Goliath and the head is taken off, the Bible says that he went and put the sword in the tent. If you look at the word tent there in the Hebrew, it actually talks about the holies of holies in the tabernacle. He placed that thing, what he got from his victory, he dedicated to God's house. And what he dedicated to God's house in his moment of victory was going to come back and be a resource of comfort to him when he was in need of some victory himself. But you can't have those type of things happen when you isolate yourself from priests, people, and the Lord. Stand with me. How close? So Laish, Dan says... It's a good land. The people are prosperous. They have no business with anybody. They're far from everybody else. Blah, 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 blah. They don't have a magistrate. They're isolated from all these things. They're going to be easy prey for us. But the fact of the matter is this. While he was doing that, he was setting his tribe up to be the next easy prey because of isolating himself from priest from people, and from God. And I close with this. In the book of Revelation, <clears throat> I know this might have been a struggle for some tonight because this is not a typical story. Right? Be like me grabbing some book off my shelf that I read and say, let's all study this chapter. And you'll be like, I've never read this. If you don't read it, it's hard to follow along. <laughs> and so, in Revelation chapter number 7, it says this. The Bible is speaking about all these different Jews and tribes of the Jews that are sealed in their forehead with the seal of God. 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. It speaks of all these 12,000 12, that are sealed in these different tribes till it adds up to 144,000 that are sealed Jews for the Lord of every tribe of Israel. But when you read through Revelation chapter number 7, guess what? There's a tribe missing. There's one tribe not mentioned having the seal of the Lord upon them. There's one tribe missing. There's no mention of the tribe of Dan. No mention. And many believe this, that it's nothing more but an indication of the judge's story that I've read in your hearing tonight. Because the tribe of Dan moved north. He left his original allotment of land that God had gave him. He employs a backslidden priest. He refuses the divine. And so the final proscript on the life of Dan is mentioned then really by not being mentioned in Revelation chapter number 7 that when they needed a deliverer, they had no deliverer. Why? Because he isolated and they isolated themselves from their God, their people, and a notable priest. They were left without a deliverer, and there was no one to rescue them in the end because that's part of the dangers of living an isolated life. I need you, you need me. We need each other. You need a pastor. You need the divine in your life. And to isolate on any of those areas and any of those levels is dangerous ground to walk upon. Don't let... I hope somebody needs this Lord in the greater world in context for Mount Carmel. Don't ever come across your lips. I don't have to listen to you, preacher. 
Bible says in Ezekiel that they would see their prophets just as one that says, we'll play on our pipes and we'll just watch him dance. Don't isolate yourself from the man of God because you might find yourself someday like Saul that don't know what to do and is wanting to go to find Samuel. Say, go to find the witch of Endor and say, can you bring back up my man of God? Because I'd really know, would like to know what he's got to say about this matter. Don't isolate yourself from the church. Don't isolate yourself from God. Folks, I'm telling you, because when you need a deliverer, this is where you're going to find it. When you need a deliverer, when you need somebody to come to your rescue, we sing the song, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else can I go? No other name by which I am safe. Capture me with grace. I will follow you. Sir, ma'am, you need to think right now. Close your eyes. You need to thank God right now that you're among a network of body of people called the body of Christ. You need to thank God right now, amen, that you have, amen, the truth of God, knowing who he is and the reality of who he is. You need to thank God right now. And again, this is no, amen, reflection on me, but thank God that you have a pastor in your life. You need to thank God right now. Why? Because I have a deliverer. I have a deliverer. I'm not without. I'm not isolated. I have relationships with people in this church. I have relationship with the master in heaven. I have a relationship with my pastor. So in the hour that the fire is burning and the sword is glittering in the sunshine, I have a deliverer. There's somebody in the corner of some alley tonight that wish they had a deliverer. There's somebody that's taken their last breath on a hospital bed wishing they had a deliverer, but they've isolated themselves from God. They've isolated themselves from people. They've isolated themselves from, oh God, I need a deliverer. It's dangerous to isolate our lives. Let's talk to God right now all across this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.